Hello and welcome. I'm Jody Carlton and your host today. I'm neurotypical, which means I'm not autistic, but I've spent my entire life in relationships loving people who are autistic. Moreover, I've spent the majority of my career educating about autism and helping couples bridge the gap in neurodiverse relationships. But this podcast is for you. It's a place to talk with me, to share your struggles, talk to me about your wins, your challenges, your victories, and also hear from other professionals who really get it and understand you. So what will we talk about today? Hey, everybody. I had a question in my private Facebook group yesterday, and it's a question I get a lot. And I've addressed it a lot in my Q&A live streams here, but instead of just her trying to weed through and find it, I decided, and I don't think I've ever actually answered this question directly in one of my videos, so I decided to do it here. And that question is, how do I get my husband, my partner into therapy or coaching for our neurodiverse relationship? And so many of the partners who are asking me this question those of you who are asking it, you guys have already been in counseling a lot. You've been to other therapists, you've been to other counselors, and it's just been a disaster. And, I, and I've talked about this before, and I'm not criticizing my counseling colleagues because the training and the expertise is just not there for neurodiverse relationships. And it's likely that they haven't recognized that you're in a neurodiverse relationship. So what happens is that you have figured out or that you think that your partner is autistic, which means neurodiverse, whatever word you want to use, Asperger's, some people still use that. And so you think this is what's going on and you want, you're, you want to try again. You want to go to a specialist. You may have found a specialist. You may be trying to get them to come to me and they don't want to. And they're like, nope, I'm done. We've tried this. I'm not doing it again. And you feel frustrated. You feel angry. You feel hurt. And so I am making this video to show to your partner. And so if you are the partner, I also want to talk to you because I get you. I understand why you don't want to go back into counseling or therapy or coaching now that your partner thinks that you're autistic or thinks that you're neurodiverse because for one, you really may not think that's the case. Or maybe you've taken the time to do a little research and you're like, I actually do recognize these traits in myself. But you're also probably thinking, I do not want to go into this coaching or counseling environment where now I am going to be targeted as the problem here. And, and chances are your wife or your partner, your spouse is identifying you as the problem and a lot of times neurotypical partners for you guys this really feels like the answer and and you're like I now understand why so much of of this has been happening in our world I understand the dynamics and, and we can finally get some help for this and, and one of the things I hear you say to me and you say in our in the coaching group, you say it on the YouTube channel, and you say it in the comments and in TikTok and everywhere else, is I really need him or her, whoever your partner is, to understand how much he's hurt me or she's hurt me. I need to under I need this person who I think is autistic 
to understand how much he's hurt me. And those of you who are being identified as autistic or neurodiverse are like, I don't want to go into that situation because it really feels to you like you're just walking into a situation. You're just walking. You're basically walking in and standing in front of a firing squad. Why would I do that? Why would I go into a situation where I've been identified as the problem? The problem for all these years, sometimes 20, sometimes 30, sometimes 40 years in our marriage. And now we've my partner, my wife, my husband has figured out that it's been me. It's been me. I am the source. I am the cause of all the problems. If you are the neurotypical partner, which means you don't have autism and you believe that your partner does, this is not the way to approach it because no person ever is going to want to go into counseling or coaching under those premises. I don't blame them and I wouldn't want to either. (laughs) That's not going to work. And unfortunately, a lot of counselors do approach it that way. If there is, if they suspect that your partner is on the spectrum, then your partner becomes the identified patient. It's what we call in the the psychological community, the identified patient, the identified problem. And the entire counseling experience becomes about that issue, about that problem and how that problem is contributing to the relationship issues. It absolutely is a part of the dynamic. It's a big part of it, but it's not the problem. And so that's why when I, so I'm speaking to you, you, the husband, or I say husband because nine times out of 10, it's neurotypical wives who are struggling with this, trying to get their husbands in to see me. If you're the husband who your wife is saying, I want to go to coaching with Jody or to counseling with somebody, I want you to know that when couples come to me, I don't identify as any, anybody as the problem because that's not going to work. That doesn't work. That's not going to get you where you want to be in your relationship. If we start with an assessment, I actually assess both of you. And the reason for that is it's helpful to see not how you are different from the world and how you are the problem, but how the two of you are different from each other and what you are each bringing to the relationship, how each of your brains work, how each of your sensory systems function, how each of your personalities have its their own unique quirks and strengths and weaknesses. And then we also look at the your relationship health overall and what each of you are bringing in terms of attachment and conflict styles and lots of things there because you both are bringing lots of what I call relationship baggage to your relationship. And autism may be a part of that, but it's not the problem. If it is present, if neurodiversity is present, then it's something for us to look at how that dynamic is contributing to how you misunderstand each other. But that's a two-way misunderstanding. That doesn't mean that you, the person who turns out to be neurodiverse, doesn't mean that you have created this problem in your relationship. 
It just means that you bring a different way of doing a relationship, of communicating, of interpreting and perceiving than your partner. And that she brings a different way of perceiving and communicating than you. And there's been a lot of misunderstanding. And so we look at all of that. And we look at how you are different from each other. And nobody gets the moral high ground. Nobody gets to be the one who points the finger. We do not blame one person for the problems in the relationship. In the beginning, we start with what's happening in your relationship now. And we look at how you're interacting, how you're communicating, how to get you to a place where you can hear each other, where you can understand each other, because we can't even talk about the past at all. You cannot talk about any hurts, any previous issues until you can actually learn to hear each other and understand each other. There's no point in trying to have a conversation about all those things that have happened in the past if you don't even understand each other yet. It's like trying to have that conversation in two different languages. Two people who speak two different languages who don't know how to speak the other one's language. That's not a conversation that is worthwhile or productive. And that's the conversation you've been having all these years. And it turns into rehashing over and over again, which is not helpful and not useful. And it just led you to where you are now. And most of the time, when couples go into counseling, counselors try to facilitate this conversation, but without the understanding that you don't speak those, you don't speak the, the language that each other, you don't speak each other's language. And a lot of counselors don't get this. And it's because they just don't know. All of that to say, if you are the one that are on the receiving end of this, if your partner's saying, hey, I think neurodiversity is an issue and I need you to come into therapy, I want you to come into therapy, and you're like, I don't want to do that, then what I would encourage you to do, if you're still skeptical, I'm not trying to talk you into working with me, but I'm happy to work with you. But if you're still skeptical, then I have tons of videos on my YouTube channel. And you can learn more about me. You can learn more about neurodiversity. You can learn more about how I work as a coach. And then if you want to talk to me, just you and me, before getting on the call with your spouse, then let's do that. And because you need to be comfortable with any coach or any, any therapist, or if it's not me, whoever you and your partner or your partner has identified as the person to work with, meet with them first, just you, you and them. That's my recommendation. Maybe you're here today because you suspect your partner's autistic, or maybe you're autistic yourself, or maybe you just don't know, and you don't really know what to do next. And that's exactly what my basic consultation is for. I do offer assessments for individuals and couples, but if you're not ready for all of that, 
you can book a consultation appointment with me and we'll talk about your current situation, whether that's a relationship you're in or if you're dating and and single and, and don't really understand why your relationships don't ever work out or maybe you can't even get them started. We'll talk about all of that. So book a basic consultation appointment with me today and we'll get you some clarity. The link is in the description. All right. Hello, everybody. I'd like to welcome Clara to tonight's episode. Hello, Clara. She's been on the, the show before and she is one of my moderators for my Facebook group. So she's an incredible support to the folks in there. And uh, I love having her. She's been on my uh, Q&As on YouTube a lot and or been a participant in the comments anyway. And so I, I love that she wants to, to be here and chat with me here. So I know there was a, a particular topic that I asked her to come here and talk to me about that, that we had talked about some. Claire, this has to do with the concept of what you call faders. Yeah. And so talk, talk to us about what you mean by that. Hi, everyone. My name is Clara. I'm 38 years old. I was diagnosed late uh, as an adult at 35. I have two children, one of them in the spectrum, and I, and I have a relationship, four-year-old relationship, neurodiverse. Is neurotypical, and I'm a musician and, and a singing teacher and a singer. And then there's this analogy that I told to Jody, how I understand the problem with sensory processing disorder when we have too much information, too much sound information, and we can't understand, we have the spectrum, can't understand what's being said. That is the concept of faders. We got uh, music ears tables that got all these buttons that you control the volume. And then when you have a bad playing and you're like, oh, the vocal is too, is too low. Let me put the volume higher. Let me put the volume of the drums lower. So it's more balanced. And now, now my guitarist is doing a solo. I'm going to put everybody in low volume and then I'm going to put him in a loud volume so everyone can hear. And I believe the neurotypicals, they have the, the brain function to control these faders. So if you are, if you are in a, say a food court and you're talking to a friend, your friend is saying something, you kind of have the control to ignore the background noise. You have a coffee machine here and then you, I'm just gonna ignore the coffee machine and listen to my friend. And we autistics don't have that faders, those faders. So it's everybody, everything is very loud. So sometimes when you have a lot of sound information, it's hard to understand and process what's being said. Sometimes you are with your family and the television is on, and then somebody saying something, can't understand anything. And this, this ends up sometimes in fighting. With, with, the autistics get triggered with the sound of a welcome. So some people get reactions especially when there's too much brain stimuli. So the solution I found with these situations is let me turn off the TV or let me be close to you. Or I can't have a conversation in a full bar with a band playing and a lot of people talking. I can't understand what people are saying. Let me go to the balcony to to talk to, to the friends. I... 
I love this. I love this analogy of faders. It really makes sense and resonates with me. And I think it's a perfect analogy for the way sensory processing works because we all struggle with the sensory processing piece to an extent, or we may have uh, a little bit more difficulty in one area than another. But for the most part, neurotypical brains can turn that slider up or down at any given moment, and we can focus in on a particular um, voice or the visual version of this. If you think about a camera lens that's focused in on uh, a particular face and the background is blurred, or then the the focus changes to an object in the background and the person in the foreground is blurred. That's how camera focal points work. Whereas when, when, if you have a really cluttered scene and everything in that scene is in focus and you're trying to find an object in that scene instead of the focus being on that particular object. That's where people who are autistic struggle with what's called visual discrimination. So they'll go, for example, to the refrigerator and try to find something in the refrigerator and can't see it. They'll say, where's the ketchup? And, And the neurotypical partner is like, it's right in front of you. And come to the fridge and say, what, what is wrong with you? It's right in front of you. But it's because the brain is taking in everything and struggling to focus on each object at once to scan their fridge to find that object. Same with voices. If I'm in that food court, like Clara was saying, I, may, I, st- I actually struggle with sound auditory discrimination. So I can relate to this, even though I'm not autistic. If there are a lot of voices and whoever I'm with is trying to talk to me, I struggle to turn down the, the, the volume on all that background noise. And so I can't hear that voice very clearly. And at home, even like you're saying, if the TV's on and the dishwasher's running and the, the radio, you know, just the dog's barking, I'm just like, I, I can't hear what you're saying to me. And, you know, smells, you know, just all sorts of sensory information can just overwhelm the body. And so this is such a good example of those faders. And she's talking about that soundboard that we've seen, you know, at concerts or some of you go to church and you see the sound guys or, or you know, you, we've all seen those things. That's what she's talking about. And that turns the volume down on all this different input that's coming in to the sound system. Well, our brains are basically the big soundboard or, or sensory board, rather. And all the information that's coming in from our systems, our sensory system is coming in. Effective work on your neurodiverse relationship can't start with pointing at any one person as the problem. Instead, if you really want to transform your communication and create the relationship fulfillment that you really deserve, you have to find out how different you are from one another, not how any one partner is different from the world. So in my comprehensive relationship evaluation, I actually assess both partners and we look at traits of autism, executive functioning, sensory processing, and your overall relationship health. Now this consultation is divided into an initial one hour session and then a two hour session where we review everything and develop a relationship plan for your your individual needs and your needs as a couple. So take your first step to get major relationship insight and figure out where to go from here. You can book your consultation with me today. The link is in the description. So Clara, you talked about sound and 
some of the strategies that you have to eliminate the sounds. Is there anything else that for you personally, as someone who's autistic, any other sensory discrimination challenges that you have other than sound? Yes, I have with clothes. Mm. I'm a singer and I sing heavy metal, so the clothes are very leather stuff and pinchy stuff. I can take it. I can use it for for a picture, but most of all, I'm using leggings and bun shirts. I can't use all this paraphernalia that, that the singers use because it freaks me out. I can use for a little time. And then I believe messes up all the sensory system. I might be bothered by sound because the clothes are pinching. Also have this with, with textures of food, with, with smells. Let's say if I'm going to cook in the kitchen that has a lot of sick piled up, I can do it. It's almost as the same as if there's a radio on with people talking fast, all, all the, the visual mess and the, and the, 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 the noise, the, the smell information. It's like too much information in brain can't take it anymore. It's hard to, to start or to put, you know, executive functioning. When you are cooking, you have a lot of tasks. You have to sanitize. I'm going to cut the carrots and I'm going to cook. I'm going to get the pan. And this all messes up and I in kind of paralyzes some actions when when you are overstimulated. Yeah. So you're talking about cooking. Let's talk about that. You mentioned executive functioning, which the, the root word there is execute. So you're executing a task. You're doing something in steps. One, two, three, four. So when you have all of these faders, all these sliders turned way up on your sensory board, you've got smells coming at you. You've maybe got clothes on with all these different textures that your body is noticing versus for a neurotypical brain that's not noticing. I have something itchy on. I have a tag that's scratching me. My clothes, my pants are tight. That body is just filtering out that that volume is turned down. The slider is turned down. Person can't ignore all this stuff. Yeah. The brain's just turning the slider down, ignoring all of it. So your your sliders are turned up. Your faders are, fader sliders, whatever we want to call it. And so there's so much turned up and then you're trying to manage this task of cooking and you're hearing the water in the, the sink, you're hearing the water drip. It's very easy to get irritated. Let's say I'm doing all this stuff and then one of my children get in the kitchen. I want to put you in Please, please, later. Yeah. Or your partner walks in. Oh, he and- understands. He knows that the cooking time, he, he just gets out. Do you need something? I'm going to take care of the dishes later. And then he gets out of the kitchen. He knows it's hard for me. You know, your partner does understand, but I'm going to say that there are, there are listeners here that don't, that have partners who don't understand. And they're going to be listening to this today and go, oh, so the man I dated after my marriage ended, who, who was on the spectrum, I fortunately understood this. He would run me out of the kitchen and fortunately understood that he was on the spectrum. But if I had not, it would have been very confusing to me and, and upsetting. He was exactly what you're describing. He didn't mind cooking, and I loved that part. But I wanted to spend time with him. I wanted to to get in there and help. And well, it wasn't even help. I wanted to participate. I'm a quality time kind of person. And I wanted to participate and be in the kitchen with him and cook with him. 
And he would be like, ah, get out of my kitchen. Go, go, yeah. go, 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 go. I get the situation with my mother. My mother doesn't understand if I'm in the kitchen. Oh, what's the matter? I'm going to use the microwave. What's the matter? Well, because I forgot what I was doing. Then I, I'm in the kitchen like this. What the hell was I doing anyway? And then I, I got a message and go to the living room and start answering it. And all of a sudden, I'm not cooking anymore. And you're burning the food, food or you're, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Burning the food. Yeah. Because you've gotten completely distracted. Yeah. Yeah. He, he would literally stop and glare at me. Yeah. <laughs> he would stop and just glare at me. And, and he'd wait because he knew that he would get distracted, like you're saying. Yeah. And so I learned, I, I learned that it was nothing personal yeah. and that I needed to just give him his space. So some of our listeners, though, don't understand this and they are taking it personally. I'm feeling rejected. Oh, he doesn't want my company. I'm not welcome in the yeah. kitchen and yeah. that and your feelings get hurt. I can understand this. Yes. Yes. It happens all the time. Yes. So if you're not familiar with my communication model, we have the three stages of communication. And the first stage is what we bring to it, which part of that is our neurodiversity, but it's our personalities and our values and our love language and all sorts of things. Stage two is how we interact. And stage three is the meaning that we take from our interactions. So if your partner is, you know, running you out of the kitchen or the bathroom, the bedroom, for whatever reasons, because of this sensory overwhelm and the meaning that you're taking from it is I'm, I'm not cared for, I'm not loved, I'm not respected, I'm not valued, then this could be a miscommunicate. This could be what I call an attribution error. You're attributing the behavior to the wrong meaning. And this can really lead to a lot of hurt that is not for the reasons that are actually meant. And this is one of the biggest reasons that neurodiverse couples end up misunderstanding each other. Have you and, and your partner experienced that before you understood and learned about autism? Anything like that? Yeah, because, uh, because before I, I was diagnosed, I was already with him two years. So stuff happened and I didn't know what happened. I couldn't understand what he was saying in the, in the bathroom, for example, with the shower on and the heater on. And then I was hearing like, oh, you know, Charlie Brown, Snoopy. Yeah. When the children are at school and then the teacher, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> well, that's what I hear when I'm in the shower, you know? And then I didn't know about this stuff, but now I know it's the noise, it's the interruptions, it's because I'm autistic and because of executive functioning and short-term memory issues that it's very hard to me to return to the task after an interruption at the point of that I completely lose track or forgot what I was doing or, you know, lose the step. Also the, with the sensory processing disorder at the noisy place, there's this situation that used to happen all the time. When I was a teenager, I went to the mall. Oh, let's watch a movie. Let's, let's eat a hamburger. And I was standing in the food court, freaking out. Wouldn't say a word. And then my colleagues, oh, you want to see a movie? Oh, you want to eat fries? I got this friend that she's the daughter of my, my older son. And she's, she's like hyper anxious. When we were teenagers, she was freak out. I met at me that I say something. She would freak out when I got silence. And then it also can be interpreted as, oh, she's doing drama. She's doing face. She's mad. And then with 
the boyfriends, they would start fights. Why are you closing your face? Why do you don't want to choose the movie? Why do you say whatever? Because I, I couldn't even hear my thoughts. Today, I'm in the food court. I'm like, and he's like, I'm going to find a more silent place. Or let's go to that restaurant here that had the tables inside the, inside the restaurant. And he knows I'm not doing drama. And I'm not doing this on purpose to upset him. The brain is saturated and I can't talk. I can't think. I lose the completely track in my head. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do I want to see a movie? I don't know. So it's a, such a big framework. It's so huge to have the framework so that you can understand and the people in your life can understand. Now that you both have this information, it changes everything going forward for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. All right. Well, I want to just thank you again so much for sharing your thoughts about this. I think this is such an important topic, this concept of how the, the brain processes sensory information and this visual image of sliders and the faders was just so helpful. And I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And anytime you come up with some new analogies, we'll have you back for sure. Thanks, Clara. Bye-bye. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Now, remember, this is your podcast and I want to talk to you. To be a guest on the show, the link is in the episode description where you can book a time for a recorded chat with me. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any of the wonderful conversations we're having here and the relationship insights and tips that I have for you. Until next time. Do you think you might be autistic or neurodivergent? Or maybe you wonder about your partner or you just don't even know what all of that means and don't know where to start? Come on over to jodycarlson.com. I have some quizzes for you to help you identify if you or your partner have traits in common with other people diagnosed as autistic. Or maybe your relationship seems so dysfunctional and toxic and you're wondering if maybe your partner is actually narcissistic. I have a quiz for that too. And a video course to really help you get some clarity. If you really need some help in your relationship and you don't know where to start, I also have a questionnaire that will customize recommendations of all the resources I have available to you based on your specific needs. Get access to all of this at jodycarlton.com.